My guest on this week's episode of Says and Search is Kenda McDonald, CEO at Automation Ninjas and practice lead for demand generation at Marketing Profs. Kenda is a sought-after conference presenter and frequent keynoter. A few places you might have heard Kenda speak include InOrbit, Brighton SEO, Unspam, and many, many other places. She's also a best-selling author. If you'd like to dive deeper into the topics we discuss on this show, check out her book, Hack the Buyer Brain. Kenda's background in college was in forensic psychology. Kenda and the team at Automation Ninjas apply a deep understanding of psychology to the marketing programs they make for clients. The result has been numerous awards and award nominations for Kenda personally and for her business. What is behavioral marketing exactly? What are the first few steps in her process? How does her methodology challenge conventional wisdom in marketing? I'm going to ask Kenda these questions and many more. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Kenda McDonald. We'll chat about marketing automation software and why she hates talking about it. We'll talk about customer journey mapping and why she's made a practice of assigning homework for her clients. All right, Kenda McDonald, welcome to Sudden Search. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, it's great to talk to you. I've been looking forward to this one because marketing automation is something where I'm going to be learning as much as the audience. Sometimes I know more about a topic than others, but this is going to be exciting for me. I thought where I would start is I've seen this picture of you. It appears early in your slide decks a lot. You're wearing a shirt and the shirt says, I hack brains. So <laughs> unless, unless uh, LinkedIn deceives me, you have a background in psychology and forensic psychology. I do. You're interested in the psychology of buyers. And I'm curious, how, how is that academic background uh, impacted what you do as a marketer? How, how do you use it in your profession? Yes, yeah, so I originally studied forensic psychology. So um, that's where things get really spicy and really exciting. Um, and it definitely, it impacts everything that we do. Um, when I originally started working in marketing, I was it was just a happy juxtaposition of time that I was I happened to be doing a couple of my neuroscience modules and I was working for an agency to pay my way through university. And one of the things that I noticed immediately was that a lot of the things that, you know, the agency was saying are really important for marketing was actually just not going to work. It's not how decision making was, uh, you know, was going to be made in the brain. And so there was this immediate like, but if we change that, it would be better. And my boss at the time just was not interested. Like he just couldn't care. He was just doing his thing. He was one of those bro marketers, bit of a hustle, hustle, hustle mentality. And uh, funnily enough, his business didn't didn't do so well. So when he shut his business down, I was like, do you know what? I want to make this happen. And so I turned to my husband at the time and I was like, let's let's do it. Let's start an agency and let's try and sneak the behavioral stuff in. And that's what we did. We snuck it in in the beginning and didn't tell people we were doing it. And it was just so it, it impacts everything because we base everything in our agency around the purchasing decisions, how the brain works when it makes those decisions, how we pay attention to content, um, how we move through the buying journey and how uh, the decision making process is impacted by that, how we perceive value. So it, it kind of filters into absolutely everything. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. And I think. You guys have have this fantastic reputation for creating marketing automation programs. You know, I think when I started to think about this topic, what interested me most was how you like with the process from beginning to end. Um, and you know, when you engage with someone, let's say this person is they've never done this sort of work before. Um, 
let's say I'm a business owner or a CMO and, and we've truly, we're truly not even sure where to get started. What are your first steps? Like, how do you engage with somebody who's really, they don't have a background in psychology either. They're, they're just trying to, to do this work. Maybe they've got a you know, decent copywriting background or something like that. But, but what are the first steps when you're just trying to introduce people into this behavioral marketing concept? So right in the get-go, we explain two things. Um, and the first thing is how, um, how the brain goes about making a decision. So what are the drivers underneath that? Um, in really simple to understand ways, like what is the brain doing when it's in the moment of making a purchasing decision? Because that impacts the whole way that you structure your marketing and how you structure your marketing automation campaigns. So that's the first thing we do. The second thing we do is explain how the brain pays attention to things. Now, this can like these things, I do that on stage all the time, you know, that can be explained relatively quickly. But when you have understanding of that, of those two core principles, I then show people, okay, well, with that in mind, this is the awareness journey that people go through. And this is why it's important that we do these things and why this content is available at these stages. And that then we start to be able to reverse engineer the customer journey. So the journey people are going to go through because we know they're going to go through certain awareness stages. We know they need certain lead magnets. We know they need certain pieces of content in order to reach certain stages. And we start to reverse engineer from that process. And it's the reverse engineering that's really important. So even when someone doesn't have a background in this stuff, as long as you can grasp those two core principles, they're super simple. And I've never met anybody who can't. Um, so as long as you can grasp those two, we can reverse engineer the entire process to make sure that we're catering for exactly where your audience is. And then we can do the clever stuff as well, because that like by virtue of where someone is in their journey and the content they're consuming, we then learn about them. So that's the progressive profiling. And then you get into all the cool stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just those two core principles and then reverse engineering the customer journey from that. So it's, it's not as complicated as it sounds. I think we just like, it sounds so fancy, doesn't it? Um, but it's more logical and practical than anything else. I'm going to, I have a confession and I'm not, I'm not uh, proud of this one, but I've done this before uh, where we've mapped out a, a buyer journey or customer journey mm. before. My, my, like in my mind, it's something like this. We get into a conference room, there's, whiteboards, you know, there's several of us in the room and we're just going to let the ideas rip. We'll debate and discuss things. It's not a rigorous psychological thing at all. What, what is your approach to, to mapping a customer journey? What, like this, this idea of just kind of like collaborative thought, I think is, is less rigorous than what, what you're talking about. Where does, where does your approach uh, bring in some science, bring in some uh, human behavioral psychology and, and make it a better, a better, more accurate customer journey? Cool. Yeah, it's, a, it's a good question. So we do ours in three parts. So the first part is taking a look at what you already know. So what do you already have that's existing? So what is your existing journey? What's your existing process? So even businesses who haven't automated a process still have a process that they take people through. So what is your sales process? And so we go through that process. That's that's for me to understand what you have existing and to and also for you to get down on paper what your journey is. And it's always really interesting. We bring sales into that conversation. If you have a sales team, because marketing and sales very often think that they're two different processes. So we like to get people on the same page from, from the beginning. Um, and we also bring fulfillment in as well, because fulfillment will have entirely different suggestions about what the process actually looks like in real life. So that's the first starting point. What do you have in place? Once you know what you have in place, I send you away with homework. 
and the homework is the awareness journey. So that is understanding what are the stages that people are going to go through. So I explain all the stages, but it's up to you to, to be really clear. Oh, when my person, when my customers are at this stage, this is what they're thinking. This is what's useful to them at this stage. And these are the questions that they're asking at this stage. And again, sales is invaluable in that process because they have insights as to the questions that are actually being asked. Fulfillment is invaluable in that process because fulfillment can pick up from there. But if we don't talk about this, then we're going to have a problem later on down the line. So I send you off with a little bit of homework. And that homework is really for you to think about your previous interactions with customers. When you give that back to me and my team, we then validate that with data. And funnily enough, this is where we use search. So this is where we use SEO. Um, so we validate and we go and we have a look at search terms and go, your audience isn't looking for that at that stage because we can see they're not searching for it. And because that search volume is, isn't there, it might be important, but they don't think it's important. And that's your discrepancy between what you, know, you uh, think your audience needs and what they want. And so we need to make sure that that's catered for as well. So it's all validated with search volumes. We search in a very strange way. Um, and then once that's done, we get back together and we go, okay, we know people need to go through these stages. We know they need these lead magnets. We know that they're displaying this behavior at these stages. So let's put together a journey that actually accounts for all of that. Um, and bonus points, if you've already got marketing automation in place where we can take a look at some behavior and see how your audience is already interacting, we can bring some of that in. But it's not always necessary because the vast majority of the time we're going to tear it all up and start again. So, um, yeah, it's three stages. First is kind of what's going on already. Second is a bit of homework for you, a bit of data validation for us. And then the third is putting that all together into something that actually makes sense. I have a whole bunch of questions that just came out of the answer there. So I'm not sure where to start. The first one that, that caught my eye, caught my attention was you said, let's say you're interacting with somebody who has a marketing automation program. Um, <laughs> you also said you usually throw that completely out. What are people missing? What, what, what are, you, you must have, you must have gone through this enough where I, I, I know we're like, not this again. What are the common mistakes, the common pitfalls of a marketing automation program that you inherit? Well, I would swear, but that's a bit, it's a bit rude. And I know Americans don't like swearing and I'm South African and we love swearing, but um, funnels, um, I, I rage at the whole concept of the funnel. Um, the funnel is a fundamentally flawed concept that was created by marketing gurus to get you to buy their funnel, funnelytics programs, whatever they want to call them. Um, they are too short. They don't counter for behavior. And for the, for the vast majority of the time, if we take a step back and think about what the definition of a funnel is, it's a great concept. The idea is you advertise something or you drive traffic to something, you get the opt-in, you send them sales messages or add them into some kind of a sales series, and then they convert. Now, the flaw in that is that we're presuming that everybody is at the same stage and that everybody is ready for purchasing. And most businesses know the pain of this because they have to insert a stage into that process that's MQL and SQL if you've got a sales team. We have to qualify your leads and make sure that they're marketing qualified or sales qualified. So already the concept of the funnel is falling apart. For businesses that are more e-commerce based, you know that you're going to have a large majority of your audience, even that converts through from an ad that isn't going to purchase. 
And so my biggest frustration is we take a look at what we think marketing automation is, and it's this tiny little piece of a funnel. And we go, oh, okay, well, 2% conversion, yay, happy days, let's carry on. What about everybody else that went through that process? So people are always falling at the back end of a funnel. And generally that's because we don't have a catered consistent journey. And then we go, oh, we'll put them in a newsletter and magically they'll buy later on down the line. It's not how real life works. It's not how the brain works and it's not what we need. So we need a more catered and consistent process. And we need to understand where someone is in the journey so that we can nudge them onto the next stages and provide the next valuable piece of information. Now, chances are, if you have a sales team, they're doing that naturally, but then things are falling through the cracks. that's what your marketing automation is supposed to do. And from an e-commerce perspective, there's a whole other ballgame of things that we should be doing. So my biggest frustration is the funnel because it's just too small and it's it's the wrong thing for what we're supposed to be doing, especially as modern consumers who consume a lot of content. Fascinating. Well, that's a very interesting answer. We hardly ever get any negative feedback about funnels on this show. So that's, uh, that's good. Um, here's, here's the next, here, here, I said I was, I, I was going to have some newbie question. Uh, here's one. You're, you're, you're measuring a lot of things. You've got to bring data into it. Yeah. I don't even know what software you're using. What, what sorts of software do you need to do this marketing automation? What are the tools for the job? That is a terrible question and I hate you for asking it. <laughs> the reason it's a terrible question is because there's like over 8,000 marketing automation tools out there. And um, so there's a lot, like literally over 8,000. Um, there's a lot that you can utilize. Um, now, there are common ones. That doesn't mean that it's the best thing, though. So I'm going to caveat this and say I'm going I'm to mention some names and people are going to be like, oh, yes, I know that. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's the best thing. It just means that they're the most common. So obviously, things like Google Analytics, yes, we need that. We need to know how traffic is performing when it hits your site. You need that to know how your data, like you know, how everything's working, definitely, unless you're using a different tool. Um, but something to measure traffic. You definitely need some kind of marketing automation system for managing your contacts after the point of opt-in. Some of the most common ones, um, HubSpot, Marketo, um, Eloqua, um, uh, Infusionsoft or Keep, as it's now called, Um, even MailChimp, Mm -hmm. although I don't like that. (laughs) Um, So those are some of the the kind of more common programs that you can utilize out there. You've got your active campaigns, your constant contacts. There's so many. And the challenge with the fact is that there is so many. Um, So I always say, plan your journey first, go through that three-stage process, get everything nice and neatly organized, and then take a look at that and go, okay, well, if we want to take people through this, what software matches our requirements? Because otherwise, if you're just taking suggestions on from people like me saying there's this software that we use, um, you're trying to effectively pigeonhole your customer journey into a software tools requirements, which is definitely the wrong way to do it. So you know, make sure you got your map first. But yeah, I mean, Google Analytics, things like HubSpot, HubSpot's fantastic. Um, it has some weird things, but they all do. Um, and then, of course, anything that you're using to to measure um, behavior afterwards. Some of the marketing automation tools don't measure behavior very well. So you have to use things like, um, you know, Google Data Studio and that kind of stuff to set up dashboards. Um, it all depends on what you're trying trying to do. People use Salesforce all the time to add things, you know, and the integrations between the two. So, yes, many tools, many tools. 
Well, fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for answering my my very rude question. I'm not, it's not rude. Maybe, no, never to ask. A, 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 I just, um, I hate it. So, no, I mean, I, 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 yeah. uh, I get the, the other thing I thought was really interesting was you're bringing all the collective wisdom of these different people. So sales, fulfillment, marketing, everybody is in the room. They get their homework. They come back with you. We're able to be far more strategic. I, mm-hmm. I like, that's when I started to lose the thread. Cause then you're like, okay, that maybe we're going to make a lead magnet. We're going to, I wonder how, after you've gotten all that preparatory work done, mm-hmm. after you've brought everybody into the, the table, you've got, I mean, you've got the buyer psychology in mind. You've got this deep understanding of, of uh, how people buy things. Everything's, everything's making sense to me. Then we've got to make some choices. So yeah. what are some of those choices? Do you have any like real life yeah. examples of how you make a choice to, to start a marketing program? Well, um, we actually took the decision making out of the process for our clients <laughs> because we didn't want them to have to worry about <laughs> the choices because otherwise you'd sit there for ages trying to figure out which campaigns to do and you end up not working on the ones that are going to be the most effective. Um, so, yeah, I'm a little bit sneaky like that. So effectively, what we did is we know everyone's going to need a welcome campaign. We know everyone's going to need a couple of really good lead magnets. We know people are going to need really good follow-up campaigns and we know people are going to need a really good sales campaign. That is foundational. You're going to need those. Um, So when we first start working with a client, we take six months to just finish those and get those done and get them nailed and get them done really good. Um, So we kind of take the choice away from them um, in that respect because that's, that's what you need to get started. Once you've done that and we've worked well together over that six months because we are a small agency and we're fussy with who we work with, we work really well with that client. We'll then enter into a second project. We will take a look at other parts of the process and the next priorities, which will have identified themselves through that through that time period. It's very rare that there are other ones that get flagged up. But for instance, sometimes when we're working with an e-commerce client, we know that there are specific e-commerce campaigns that are going to be the most effective, in which case we'll sub those out. Um, but but yeah, we, we try and take the choice away as much as possible. And I guess that's where our expertise comes in. All right, very interesting. You know, like, uh, well, here, here's, the, here's the next question is like, is measuring or how you, how you know something's off. So at the end of the day, you know, we've got to, we've got to get leads. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're, you're, you're going through a process of like, you know, just looking at this program mm-hmm. and what are you doing to see if it's working well or if it's off course, what are some red flags and how often are you tweaking and adjusting your program uh, as you go along? Or is it just, you, you've got this six month plan and then that's kind of, this is, this is going to play out. And then we adjust after that six months. My, my question is how, how frequently are we reexamining things? It's a bit of both. Um, because this, like, the first, that first six months is very foundational. There's just stuff that needs doing. Um, we have calls every two weeks and there is homework assigned to the client on a weekly basis. So everybody knows week to week. Can you, can you tell I'm a taskmaster? <laughs> Everyone knows um, yeah. week to week exactly what needs doing. It's all laid out like right from the kickoff call. Like these are the weeks that things are going to be due so that even on that kickoff call, the client can go, no, we're on holiday here or, you know, our you know marketing team is going to be at an event here so that we can adjust the schedule so that we know that we're not off. Um, so 
everything is kind of set to a nice neat time schedule um, and everything is maintained to that. Um, that allows us, and, and then for each campaign that gets launched, there's campaign documentation that goes with it. So for instance, when we launch like a lead magnet campaign, we're like, these are the KPIs that you need to be watching for. These are the goals that you set for those. Um, here's how the campaign works. Here's the structure, et cetera, et cetera, to make sure that they're keeping an eye on the performance of that. And then at the end of the six months, we do a post-mortem to take a look at what worked and what didn't and give suggestions for what they can do going forward into the future as they go off and start doing stuff. So we do keep everything planned out nice and neatly that way. Once we're done with like that six month chunk and we're starting to move into different um, into a different working relationship with the clients we continue working with, then we move to a quarterly milestone approach. So we have our projects and we have our chunks that we're working on and then we're adapting as we're going along. Um, but we're also making sure that every quarter we're doing a full um, post-mortem to have a look at everything that we've worked on in that quarter. But then it'll come down to those little individual chunks for the individual products uh, projects where we're, we're tweaking things up. I, I like, I like that approach a lot. And um, I especially like your dedication to giving people homework. That's, that's outstanding. So, <laughs> I'm not last... doing the work. <laughs> you got to work. I'm taking that for sure. I'm still <laughs> sure. So, um, listen, the, the, the last thing I, I want to tell you about the presentation mm -hmm. you had, about content marketing. Um, this is a this is kind of getting into psychology, so I, I thought it was an interesting thing to bring up. But you had a slide that said that 82% of consumers are looking for content to help them. 71% mm -hmm. of B2B cus customers use content for validation. That 61% of B2C customers purchase directly from content. And then the very next slide after those, that's very compelling data. The very next slide says, boy, we get this so very wrong. <laughs> What exactly do we get wrong and what do we do instead? Like what, what is the mistake we're, we're, we're making uh, here? Is it just trying to sell? Is everybody just trying to sell all the time and not help? That's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. If, if you kind of take a step back and you're looking at the awareness journey, there's actually only two stages out of the five stages in which people are looking to purchase. And so if you think about the majority of those customers who are looking for, for content to help them make a decision, um, they're not looking to buy necessarily. There's a, there's a whole bunch of different stages that uh, consumers are going through. And when I say consumer, I mean B2B and B2C, anyone who's consuming a product or a service. Um, so I'm not talking exclusively to, to just the consumer bracket that we like to think about. Um, but any of your prospects are going to be going through all of those stages before they're ready to purchase. And what we tend to do as businesses is we tend to latch onto keywords and we tend to go, we're going to create a piece of content for this. And then when someone hits this, we're going to sell to them. And we don't look at the search intent behind that keyword and what that search intent is telling us behaviorally where someone is. Because the, the behavior that they're displaying by what they're searching, the type of content that they're looking for, the type of questions they're asking, tells us a lot about the type of content they want to consume and therefore where they are in their journey. So we get that mismatch really, really wrong and we're often not helping appropriately. But even when we're really good at matching search intent um, and the type of content that we're creating, we then miss the next step. So very often you'll get to the end of a piece of content and there's, there's nowhere for that person to go other than to buy from you. So there aren't like easier entry points into the process. So because we're not paying attention to where someone is in their awareness journey, we're not providing the right types of content. We're not providing the right types of steps. 
So we get it really badly wrong a lot of the time. Well, I mean, this has been a fascinating conversation. I feel like we barely scratched the surface. I think what I'm going to do next is go buy your book called <laughs> Hack the Buyer Brain. Tell tell the audience about your book and where people can go to buy it. Um, so it's on it's on Amazon, I believe, and in a bunch of shops. <laughs> there are shops that stock it. I don't know where they are, <laughs> but um, it is on Amazon. Um, and yeah, it's called Hack the Buyer Brain and. I wrote it to kind of help people understand that the brain was um, the, the brain evolved to survive, not to buy stuff online. And there's some serious implications for our marketing as a result. So the way the book is structured is it takes you through the lifecycle marketing framework. It explains what's happening in the, in the brain at each parts of that of that process. Um, I use uh, the, the company at that point, the Keep, then Infusionsoft, was really uh, lovely um, and allowed me to use a whole bunch of their case studies um, in the book. But it, it's platform agnostic, all of the concepts. So there's a section that explains the theory. There's a section that is a case study. And then there's a section that explains the science or the data behind it in every chapter that takes you through the entire life cycle. So it's all about how the brain kind of goes through through those purchasing processes. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you want to get into the nitty gritty of that, that's what the book's there for. <laughs> I do and I will. Well, listen, I am uh, I am pressed for time here, but like if people want to get in touch with you or uh, learn more about your company, what's your favorite social media? What's the best way to get in touch with you guys? Social media. <sighs> I'm, I'm like terrible on social media, that's <laughs> my, my words. Um, but you can uh, always email me, it's kenda at automationninjas.com or you can get me on Twitter, which is underscore Kenda McDonald. Um, LinkedIn is also fine, uh, it's just Kenda McDonald on there as well. Um, and then yeah, the company's Automation Ninjas, we have a great blog, you can go check it out and uh, get yourself content. <laughs> All right, well, I have, I've enjoyed this a lot. I'm gonna give you a, virtual cheers from here. Kenda, thanks so much for coming out. I hope to see you soon. Thank you so much for having me.